0: So I'm pretty excited about this uh, this episode coming coming at you guys right today. These are so we're gonna we're gonna use a couple of quotes that I uh, that I've had in my notes for quite some time. One of which is from Gandhi, and these are two quotes that are one's from Gandhi and one's from a guy named G.K. Chesterton. So Gandhi clearly not a believer, right? I think we can all agree, not a Christian. Uh, and then you have G.K. Chester- Chesterton a uh, evangelical preacher, right? And so the other end of the believer spectrum. Well, these two quotes are really, really powerful quotes coming from both ends of the spectrum to really highlight the importance of the gospel, to really highlight what Christianity is really all about. And so, you know, we're going to use two quotes that are both actually very similar which might surprise you when you think about, oh, one coming from a non-Christian, one coming from a Christian. Uh, they basically, both quotes kind of speak to the disconnect between how believers behave and the life of Jesus himself. And so I think this is going to be interesting. My hope is it gets you thinking a little bit. My hope is it gets you curious a little bit. My hope is you know it strengthens your walk with Christ or starts your walk with Christ, depending on you know where you're at. In your own journey there, and uh, yeah. Without further ado, here we go. Why are Christians so unchrist-like? I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That is a quote from Gandhi. At least according to the internet, that is a quote from Gandhi. But hey, I found it in a few different Reddit forums, so I'm pretty confident that it is fact. Either way, man, whether, whether it's true or not, it's like, man, that's, uh, man, what a great quote. What a great line, right? It's great because it's quippy, right? It's great because it's kind of punchy. But it's also great because it's true, man. And you know, so when I first heard that quote some years ago, as a Christian, I took offense to it. Like, I felt like it was an attack on my standing as a Christian and a blow to my ego. I was like, this dude, like, who's this cat think he is? Like, I'm rolling with my man JC. He does not know who he's messing with, right? But then I thought about it. And speaking of cats, you may hear my cat trying to get into the room here. But then I thought about it a little bit more. And, you know, with a lot of time and a sprinkling of what might be the makings of a morsel of some wisdom. I was like, you know, it's true. It's true, man. us Christians, we Christians are so unlike our Christ. Like, we are so unlike Jesus. And it's like, you look at that, and on the surface, like at face value, it's like, man, that's like, that's discouraging, right? Like, like that's not exactly the greatest testament or testimony to Christianity, to the faith, right? To the man who gave his life for us a couple thousand years ago. Well, here's another, here's another quote. From my man G.K. Chesterton, who was a preacher, a, a Christian preacher. The greatest case against Christianity is Christians themselves. So here, right, I mean, you have no defense, right? Like, like this is coming from the homeland. This is coming from our brethren, a fellow follower of Christ. And again it might really cause you to pause as a Christian and re-examine your own life and whether or not it helps make the case for or against Christianity, right? Like, are you are you speaking to this quote, the greatest case against Christianity is Christians themselves? Or are you actually standing in opposition of this quote? Are you actually a source of light and a source of truth and, you know, a source that points to, To Jesus and his resurrection and his redemption and his hope and his joy and his peace and his righteousness and his, you know, everlasting love. Like, which side are you on? Well, I'll tell you what. Either way, I mean, whether you hear these quotes by Gandhi and then Chesterton and you are discouraged or you are encouraged where you feel some, you know, dismay or you feel some hope. Regardless of which side of the fence you might be on, I think both quotes are true. I think they're absolutely true. And what I want to posit for the next, you know, 15 or 20 minutes is I actually think if we dig into these two quotes and we, you know, we we pull up we pull up and pull out our little bibles and look at some scripture, I think we're going to walk away feeling like, wow, those two quotes, incredible sources of inspiration, incredible sources of hope. Not discouragement, not despair, but just unbelievable hope towards the future. So to better understand not only the hope, but the realism right, that is embedded in those two quotes from both ends of the believer spectrum, right, I mean, Gandhi, clearly not a believer, not a Christian, and then G.K. Chesterton, you know, one of the pillars of, you know, the, the Christian preacher community over the last, what, three, four, five centuries, to better understand both of those quotes from those two different sources, man, let's go to the man himself, Preaching the Sermon on the Mount. So, if you have your Bible in front of you, which you might, if you don't, just jot this down in your phone notes or in your old, you know, mental banks there. Matthew chapters five through seven, they cover the entire Sermon on the Mount. And straight up, guys, like this basically just gives you a complete cover to cover manual for living, right? <laughs> in incredible accuracy and detail. It basically tells you how to handle any situation that you might come up against. It basically tells you how to think about your character as a Christian. It basically tells you how to think about the attributes that you want to have as a Christian. It basically tells you to, you know, it basically tells you how to think about, you know, how you want to be viewed and how you want to behave and how you want to, you know, live your life as a Christian. I'm not going to cover it all. Right, certainly not because it's way too much to unpack for just this lonely little podcast here. But let's address a few things. So, I want to start with the Beatitudes, right? These are the blessings that Jesus references to kick off the sermon, right? If you're a believer, you've probably heard of these before, even if you're not a believer, right? If you're not a believer and you're listening to this podcast and you've made it this far, hey, I really, really appreciate you for sticking around. You've probably heard about these too, right? You've probably just heard about these kind of in passing and just through, you know, the osmosis that comes with living in this world. So this is Matthew 5 verses 3 through 10. So blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. each of these beatitudes has all kinds of layers and subtexts and you know hidden meanings if you will that fully explain what they mean right but just taking them at face value we're not going to go too deep into these because that's not really the direction that I'm trying to go with this episode here but if we just take these at face value effectively we are to be you know poor in spirit pure in heart, merciful peacemakers, to name a few. So my question to you is this. Are you all of those things? All of the time? Are you any of those things? Any of the time? I mean, I know I'm not. Like, I know that I come up short all over the list all of the time, right? Like, if I go through and if I were to have a little, you know, just a real simple checkmark system, like, I I would fail to check those boxes on a fairly regular basis, right? Like, I I would fail to live up to the standard that Jesus set forth in the Beatitudes there in the Sermon on the Mount. Like I would fail it routinely, I would fail it regularly. Like there are probably only a handful of days in my life where I could earnestly say, like, all right, I think I lived up to all those beatitudes. Well, if we go down even just a bit further, you know, in this section, Matthew 5 through 7, when Jesus starts to kind of mix it up a little bit with some parables. Right? You know, I mean, obviously, Jesus loved to teach in parables, you know, kind of teach through illustration, teach through example and analogy. And so these parables, man, they're just really powerful ways for Jesus to get his message across. Well, one of the things that he says down the list is love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Uh... No thanks. I mean, let's be real, man. We don't typically do that, right? Now, again, Jesus, right? Our 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 beacon of light, our example, right? Our our example of the perfect life. He did this. He did this on the cross. He did this in his final moments. Father, please forgive them for they do not know what they do. Right? He he exemplified this. Like he lived out his own teaching. He wasn't a do as I say, not as I do type of guy. He was a, hey, do as I say, and I've already done. Do as I say, and I'm going to do, right? So he backed up all the talk with all kinds of walk, right? But for us, like, we don't typically do that, right? Like, pray for our enemies, Like like, no. Like, love our enemies, like, no thanks. Like, you know, let's keep reading because maybe I'll find something that I'll actually do. But again, it's just a great example of, you know, something that we routinely fall short on. I think it's pretty safe to assume that most people don't do that. I know I certainly don't do that. I know I have uh, the opposite feelings towards my enemies, you know most of the time. But one last example that I think really kind of kind of brings this point home and really drills down and what I want to drill down on. this is down in 619. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now, again, I can't speak for y'all, man. I, I can't. I can only speak from my own lens and I can only speak through my observations, you know, in the world around me. But I know that I personally, I am very capital V, capital E, capital R, capital Y concerned with my treasures here on earth like i am always capital a capital l capital w capital a capital y capital s on the watch for the moths and the vermin or vermins that might do it harm right i'm very 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 anxious about my treasure here on earth and it possibly facing ruin and it possibly facing harm if I'm being real with you all, if I'm being transparent, I am not nearly as concerned about my treasures up in heaven. I'm concerned about the treats over at Harris Teeter. I'm not as concerned about my treasures up in heaven. And so, you know, this this again, this is Jesus reminding us what's important, right? This is Jesus showing us the way. This is Jesus, right? kind of, you know, peeling back the layers of the onion and, you know, unearthing the truth. Like unearthing what really matters. And I think if we go through, you know, Matthew's 5, Matthew 5 through 7 or really any of the of, of the Bible or any of scripture to to be honest. If we go through it line by line and we start thinking about what Jesus teaches us and we start thinking about what Jesus commands us, I think we will realize That we fall short. I think we will realize that we constantly and consistently fail to live up to these standards, fail to follow these commands. So basically the Beatitudes, loving our enemies, focusing too much on earthly things, we all fail in these things, right? More at some times than others. Right, and of course, for for my fellow Christians out there, you know, the hope is that we're progressing, right? The hope is that our faith is transforming us, and we are becoming a little more Christ-like day by day. But no one is batting a thousand. No one's even batting 500. No one's even hitting 300. No one's even over the Mendoza line, 200. Right? We are just struggling mightily. So yeah, us Christians. We are nothing like our Christ indeed. So the Sermon on the Mount is great, right? I mean, it's a great example really highlighting Gandhi's quote, right? Like it's, it's a great example in support of Gandhi's quote. But there's actually another perfect illustration in Scripture that I want to also kind of bring up and, and work through that may not be as popular as the Sermon on the Mount, but it is it is no less effective. So let's go to Romans chapter 7. This is going to be verses 15 through 20. And of course, this is Paul speaking uh, as the author of Romans. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. But it is sin living in me that does it. Now, super confusing, right? Definitely a scene from Dodgeball, right there, right? I mean, that's that's a that's a challenge to follow through. One, it's one that I've wrestled with every single time I've cracked open this passage. Right, it's something that has really, I still, I, I'm not even going to pretend to understand everything in that passage. Not even going to pretend to have uh, any idea. Uh, the, the totality of what Paul is trying to express to us there but I think I think I might be on to a little bit of it and it's this you have Paul arguably one of the most influential Christians of all time right of all time he, he, he might be he might be numero uno right he may have the Arnold Schwarzenegger t-shirt on that says you know obviously not Arnold is numero uno but Paul is numero uno like when it comes to, you know, influential Christians of all time, he, he's, he's definitely in, the, in, in the, the discussion. Well, Paul is clearly struggling mightily to do what he knows to be right. Clearly struggling, right? For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For what I want to do, I do not do. Now, I mean, let's stop on that and let's just pause for just a brief second. And let's unpack that, right? Again, let, let, let's make sure that we, 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 we give this the, the proper context that it deserves. That right there, you have a man, Paul who has given his life to Christ, right? This man has, now obviously the beginning of his life, a little tenuous at best, right? I mean, he was murdering Christians, but, but then, you know, he obviously on the road to Damascus, he had a one-on-one encounter with Christ himself and then completely transformed his life. So from that moment forward, right, given his life to Christ, surrendered his heart to Jesus, He worships the Son of God with every ounce of his being. And yet, he still can't get out of his own way. (laughs) He He still goes on disobeying. He still rebels against God himself. Right? And why does he do it? In his own words, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Now, Paul, you know, this passage from Paul, this this paragraph from Romans, these handful of verses, they really acknowledge the central tenet, the key to this entire podcast episode. The one thing that I was really trying to get at that I think is going to be the string that holds all the pearls together today. There is sin living inside each and every one of us. It's inside of you, it's inside of me, it was inside of Paul. It is sin. That started way back in the garden and it will persist until Jesus himself returns to right all the wrongs and end all the evil. So it is this sin that even as Bible-believing disciples of Christ leads to our falling short of all the Beatitudes. Of all the times that we want to do what is right, but we fail to do what is right. Where we desire to obey God. But we end up disobeying God. Right? It leads to our not praying for our enemies. Our not doing what we really want to do. Our placing way too much trust. And hope. And want. In our treasures on earth. And you know. When when I read through this. Right? I'm lifted up a little bit. I'm encouraged a little bit. Not. In so much as, or not only because Chesterton was right on the money, right? Christians really are the greatest case against Christianity, right? Completely agree. Amen to that, brother. But when I look at Paul, again, a man who was so sure in his belief, who was so convicted in his faith, and yet, he still struggled with this. He still wrestled with the very same things that I'm wrestling with, just a regular guy 2,000 years later. I'm struggling with this. I think on a regular basis, what am I doing, right? And I'm not even talking about, you know, some of the you know catastrophically bad decisions I've made in my past. And trust me, there are some. I'm talking about, you know, the, just the day-by-day things. I'm like, what, what am I doing? Like, why didn't I just lie about that? Right, it made no sense. I didn't want to lie. I didn't go into it thinking, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull one over on Autumn or whoever. But I do. But I did. Why? Why did I do that? Right? Why am I placing so much emphasis in these earthly things? You know, money and status and performance. Why are these things? Why? Why can't I shake the allure of these things? Like, what is wrong with me, man? I did my Bible study this morning. I did my quiet time this morning. Like, why can't I get out of my own way? Well, I'll tell you what, looking at this scripture, and my hope is you guys might feel a little bit of the same today. I'm like, you know, here's a guy that is way more convicted in his faith than I may ever be. Here's a guy that is the author of, you know, most... Of the New Testament, right? Or half or a third of whatever, right? handful of books at least. And yet, he still struggles with these very same things. So, I don't know how you guys feel about that. But that gives me a tremendous amount of hope. I don't know how you guys feel about that. But that really lifts me up, man. It leaves me feeling like, you know what? I got a chance. Gandhi was right. We are nothing like our Christ. Chesterton was right. Us Christians, we Christians, we are the greatest case against Christianity. But you know what? There's still hope. So you know, those quotes, Christians being so un-Christ-like, Christians being the greatest case against Christianity, they're not discouraging. They're not discouraging at all. They're filled with hope and peace and optimism, and maybe most of all, Truth. Truth in that the depravity of man, it's not going anywhere. It's never going away. If Adam couldn't do it in the garden with God, we can't do it. If Eve couldn't do it in the garden with God, we can't do it. It really just shows us Just how evil and wicked and sinful we are at our core. Our hearts really are idle factories. Our hearts really do want to rebel against God. Our hearts really do want to be our own king. All of that, it doesn't discredit God. It doesn't discredit Christ. It doesn't discredit Christianity. It actually elevates all of them. It actually elevates our need for him in our lives even more. It makes the message of the gospel even more powerful, even more potent, and honestly, even more urgent. We need Jesus. I need him. You need him. Your neighbor needs him. Your coworker needs him. That guy, that girl that you hate needs him. And he or she might need you to show him or her the love of Christ. Because Jesus, he's everything we want to be, but will never be. So in the end, it's all Christ. It's all Jesus, right? It's not about us. It's not about us at all. And so that Gandhi quote, 100% true. 1000% true. We Christians are not like our Christ. And you know what? That is a really good thing. So I really hope you guys got a little something from this uh, this podcast episode today you know talking about those two quotes uh, there are a couple of quotes that I had written down on my notes some years ago and I always knew I wanted to do some kind of content around them and so there may be more to come in like YouTube channel or YouTube videos or whatever but I just uh, I don't know they really spoke to me and that scripture that we attached to today's Uh, episode I really feel like is powerful, powerful stuff. And so I really hope that you were a little bit encouraged today. I hope you're a little bit encouraged today. I hope you're a little bit lifted up today uh, in your walk with Christ. Or if you are not a believer and you've made it all the way this far, all the way to the end of the episode, I imagine there are zero of you that have done that. But in the event that one of you does do this, right, on accident, if not on purpose, I hope that it gets you thinking. I really hope it gets you thinking. I hope it gets you thinking. I hope it gets you curious about the gospel, curious about this guy named Jesus and just willing to maybe learn a little bit more about him. So uh, as always, guys, you know, uh, share this with a friend. If you wanted to subscribe to the podcast or leave me a review, that would be amazing. And then of course, you know, we do a couple of other things here with FQ. We do fitness, we do finance. If you guys want to pick up some free fitness swag down in the description with the fat loss formula and cardio plans and whatever, you can definitely grab those. If you want to check out Full Throttle, that would be pretty awesome as well. And uh, yeah, man, that's it. I will see you guys next time.